And this is live, so welcome Pastor Scott and Yvette from home. So you guys can you guys can see us? <laughs> <laughs> this is so cool and so weird at the same time. <laughs> we are we are literally ten minutes away, not even ten minutes away from you. Uh, and yet we have to kind of quarantine ourselves as a result of us being in Mexico for a couple of weeks. We came back right at the time where they instituted the quarantine. So here we are, stuck together for two more weeks. Hopefully she can put up with me for that long. Pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as many of you know, we were on holidays, uh, in uh, Mexico for a couple of weeks. Loved it. I worked on my tan. It's beginning to peel, I'm noticing. Uh, but we had a great time and, uh, so, so thankful to God that He brought us back when we came back just cause, I don't know, we wouldn't want to be away during this time. We'd want to be here. Be close to you guys, as close as we can get anyways. Go ahead, babe. Yeah, so we we just wanted to thank everyone that's, you know, making this happen today. And, you know, this is just a short period for us to not be, to not be together. But, you know, we're trying to find creative ways to connect. Uh, we want to encourage you as well to really stay connected virtually as much as possible because it's important for us to encourage each other during this time, especially people that are anxious. Uh, you know, I've had several people reaching out about what do I do if I have symptoms? I'm, I'm a bit worried because I have underlying health conditions. So I just want to remind everybody that uh, Alberta Health Services has put out a self-assessment tool. You just go to the albertahealthservices.ca website, and about midway through the page, you'll see that there's a self-assessment tool if you have any concerns, or you can share that link with your loved ones. Uh, the lines at 811 have been so overloaded, so this is sort of a precursory way for people to check in. And then it guides you to say, okay, this is what you should do. You should call or you should go in. Well, we don't want people just waltzing over to the ED. That's just not something that should be happening unless it is a life-threatening uh, situation. So just remember there's resources out there, and we want to keep providing that for you. Uh, from a practical standpoint. Now back to you. And remember our motto, don't do life alone. Let's uh, make sure that those in our family, uh, those in our community are not doing life alone. We need one another. I'm, we're so grateful for uh, those uh, that uh, came and dropped some groceries off to us. And we're, we're grateful for uh, online shopping that you can we have an order in to Superstore and uh, you know so so grateful for people that are linking arms and helping us and helping others like us who find themselves in a similar situation um, right now we are um, experimenting we are running with Facebook Live so we have a number of people that are online uh, watching the service who, uh, maybe they have a compromised immune system or, um, you know, they, they just wanted to play safe and stay home. Others I know are on quarantine themselves and are watching. So welcome to everybody on, on Facebook, Facebook Live. Thank you, Melanie and Jordan for, uh, rolling with this. And, uh, you guys might want to just wave to everybody online because they can't. <laughs> 
They can see you. There you go. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, can I encourage you during this time to continue to be a light in your workplace? Scripture calls us lights in this world that we live in. And that is speaking about being a, a light in our workplace, being a light within our families, being a light in our homes, being a light with uh, those that we rub shoulders with on a daily basis. Bottom line is, people are watching us. They are watching how we are reacting to this. And you know what I want them to see? I want them to see a people that are walking in love, that are keeping fear at bay, right. that are uh, staying true and strong, uh, on the word of God, trusting in our Savior. You know, in just a few short chapters here in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 9, it speaks about uh, many miracles that our Savior was doing while he was walking on earth. Uh, he calms storms of life. He teaches about the cost of following him. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals a Roman centurion's servant. He heals a woman who was uh, uh, caught up in an issue of blood for 18 years. He heals a paralyzed man. Uh, it, he heals the blind and the mute, all in these two short chapters. And what it's speaking to us is let's, during this time, trust in the healing presence and power of our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's not allow fear to grab a hold of us and grip us, but let's trust in our Savior to pull us through uh, these difficult times. Cool? We can do that? And I want to I want to just take a minute more to thank everybody who is there, uh, connected, involved, um, all of you that have um, dug in and are helping, you know, people at the media booth, the worship team, I think of the children's uh, ministry teams that are there, uh, all the teams that are present that are uh, helping um, keep the church uh, afloat during this time. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you very much. God bless you. I I'm extremely grateful for Pastor Rob uh, that he's there and able to um, uh, minister to you in faith, minister to you in grace, and give you uh, the peace and comfort that we all need during this time as he uh, ministers the word uh, to us. Uh, I'm grateful. Uh, I don't know what we would have done if they weren't there uh, during this time. Uh, there's other capable people I know, but I'm just so grateful for, uh, for Pastor Ron and Veronica and, you know, their willingness to just be for us during this time. So let's give them a great big clap of thanks. God is good. Well, we're eager to hear what Pastor Ron has to offer today and, uh, we are there with you in spirit and as much as we can physically, virtually. Yeah, watching online, Facebook online. Pastor uh, Ron's message today is revisiting our need for faith. Great message. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing it and, 
uh, having my own faith, um, well, rebuilt and uh, shown the importance of our faith during this unique time. Can I just pray as we close? Father, I thank you for every person that is present. I thank you for every person that is listening online. God, I come against fear. I, I come against worry. I come against stress in the name of Jesus. And Father, I release in the name of Jesus a faith that would be solid and strong and secure in you and in your promises. Your, the blood of Jesus means something. The blood of Jesus and the covenants of God means something. And Father, I pray during this time that each and every one of us will continue to dig in our heels of faith and trust you during this time. Father, if there's any person that is listening or watching that is sick, that has uh, has contracted this virus, I speak to it in Jesus' name, and I declare healing over them in Jesus' name. Healing and wellness in Jesus' name. And thank you, God, for the victory that is ours through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It says in Psalm 91 that no plague will come near our dwelling. Let's proclaim that and declare that over our homes and over our lives and over our loved ones, that no plague will come near our dwelling. We decree it and declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great service. Revisiting our need for faith. You know, I had a a different message, and then somehow yesterday I looked at it and I thought, nope. That just is not what we need to be hearing today. And so I just prayed into that for a while yesterday, and I really felt like the Lord said to me, just encourage um, yourself and the people listening in their faith. And so, um, you know, revisiting our need for faith and and really it's 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 interesting we sometimes think of faith in the context of being healed but how many know that faith is really for remaining well too amen and so uh, i just want to kind of plug into that a little bit today couple couple of things that i i think will help you understand um so first of all what is faith and how does it work what is faith? How does it work? You know that it's a very interesting uh, thing that God pointed out to me several years ago, uh, and that is that we have often this idea uh, that faith grows. And we often get that idea from the comparison between faith and a mustard seed. And what we get is we get this idea that somehow faith, if you plant it, it'll grow and then but you know that's not actually a biblical idea. Do you know that the Bible doesn't say that faith grows? The Bible says that faith comes. Faith, Our faith increases. There's no question about that. So in that sense, it grows. But faith doesn't grow by somehow planting it and exercising it and working it. Faith comes. Um, there's, a, there's this idea, again, that, you know, if I had faith as a mustard seed, 
Then I could plant the mustard seed and grow a whole bush full of mustard seed. And then I could take that and grow a whole farm full of mustard seed. And when I had granaries and granaries and granaries full of mustard seed, then I'd finally have enough faith to say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and it would obey me. But that is not what Jesus said. As a matter of fact, he said quite the opposite. He said, you know, all you need is faith just a wee little bit. And you can say to this mountain, be moved, be cast into the sea, and it will obey you. So then the question, of course, is, well, how does that work? How does that work? Well, what does the Bible say, first of all, about increasing your faith? Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes to us when we hear God's word through us taking God's word into our minds and into our hearts and listening to what God says, our faith begins to increase. You know, we've been uh, talking a lot in in the last few uh, weeks and and the last few times I've I've, uh, preached about Romans 12, verse 2, where it says, if you renew your mind, then you begin to think God's thoughts and you start to know God's will. So I want you to just kind of hold on to that thought for a minute because um, there's 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 something there about knowing God's will that I'm going to come back to in just a minute. Now let me say this: Eter- external miracles are always the result of a much more important miracle that's taken place in our heart and taken place in the way that we think. Okay, external miracles. The things that we can see are always the result of things that we actually can't see. Now, how many, how many have memorized Hebrews 11 verse 1? Faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things you can't see. Right? Faith is the substance of what you hope for and the evidence of what you can't see. Now, there's two there's two really good examples, and years ago I, I used it, I used them differently, but I, I've, I've realized that I can catch these examples up to our modern society and do it this way. There's two examples that are great at illustrating what that means. The one, and I used to say is your bank statement, so if you're older like me and, and you, you know what a bank statement is, then you can, you can stick with that, but if you're younger and you use an app to figure out how much money you have in your bank, Faith is kind of like your banking app, okay? It, it shows you how much money there is in your account, but the app's not the money. The app is the evidence of money. It shows you what you've got, but you can't just take the app into the grocery store, buy hand sanitizer. Well, you can't buy hand sanitizer anyway, so never mind that. But you can't just take it in and buy something and then show the cashier the app and say, look, I have money. They're going to be like, that's very nice. I need some of it. Right? So the app is the evidence of money, but it's not the money itself. Right? The other one, and I used to talk about the Sears catalog, but then I think nobody under about 25 even knows what that is anymore. But um, the it, you could say faith is like buying stuff on Amazon. Because here's what happens. I go into the into the Amazon website and I buy something and I put my credit card number in and and everything is and it says it's going to be delivered on Wednesday morning and I phone my friends and I say guess what I just bought and if they say well I'm coming over right now to see it 
I'm going to say, no, I don't have it yet. I don't have it until Wednesday. Why don't you come Thursday? Well, I thought you said you had it. Well, I, I do. I bought it. I own it. I just don't have it yet. Well, that's a lot like faith. It's, it's this, this evidence of things we can't see yet. I have the email that says, they took my money, they're shipping me my thing. And faith is a lot like that. It's a little bit um, difficult to wrap your head around sometimes because there's this, this sense in which we, we tend to focus on the reality of our circumstances and we see the reality of the things around us and then we forget that the reality of our faith is kind of in a different zone. It's in a different place. And we've got to, we've got to grasp that. So faith is the confidence of knowing what's yours. We could put it that way. You know, if you're going to have faith, here's the other thing. You have to know what the word of God says. And then you have to make up your mind that you're going to align your life with what the word of God says. So remember I said that faith comes by hearing God's word. So if we don't actually hear God's word, then we don't actually have anything for our faith to work with. So you can't have faith outside the word of God. And this isn't talking about the power of positive thinking. So let's just put a couple of things to to rest here. Faith is not... Now, you'll, you'll hear Christians say, well, you have to speak it. You have to declare it in order to declare your faith. Well, that's no different than me saying, I bought it on Amazon. It'll be here Thursday. You have to declare it. But the speaking it isn't the faith. This is not the power of positive thinking. Or somehow if I say it often enough, sort of the universe will hear me and grant me my request. It's like, no, that actually doesn't work at all. This isn't sort of some uh, attempt to, to create positive energy forces that overtake the negative energy forces in your... Like, I've heard more of that New Age gobbledygook than I ever want to hear. That's not how faith works. Faith works by declaring the word of God. So faith has to be based on the word of God. In essence, faith is that place where what the word of God says about your situation becomes more real to you than the circumstances around you. Where where I actually come to this place where I have stronger belief that what God's word says is going to happen than I do that somehow the circumstances around me and what they're declaring is going to happen. The word of God becomes more real to me than the circumstances around me. That's that place where faith begins to work. So, you know, Psalm 91, verse 7 and 8 says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. Now, Is that more real to you than global news saying, oh my goodness, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And I'm not minimizing the, the, the seriousness of this, of this disease, that this thing is, is serious. But I want to tell you that the word of God says it won't come near you. Now, 
you got a choice. I can believe global news that says, well, eventually everybody's going to get this thing. Or I can believe God's word that says, not me. Because even if a thousand people around me get it, it's not going to come near me. Now, how do I deal with that? Well, at some point in time, I have to actually put more stock in what God says than in what I see. The reality of God's word has to become more real than the reality of the circumstances around me. Okay? Now, let me say this. Your faith will never go beyond what you know is God's will. It will never go beyond what you know is God's will. So what's God's will? How do you know what God's will is? Well, God's will is explained to us in God's word. So if the Bible says this is God's will, then you don't have to pray about it and say, well, I'm I'm praying about this to see whether it's God's will. Listen, the Bible says this is God's will. Now, I know there are things in our lives where we, you know, the Bible doesn't clearly say, buy this car, buy that car, buy this house, don't buy that house. So there are things we have to get a distinct word from God about. But there are things in the Bible where the Bible is very, very clear about some things, and we can absolutely believe that those things are for real. (laughs) So your faith will never go beyond what you know is God's will. So if you think that it's not actually God's will to heal, I know the Bible says God heals people, but I, I don't know if that's for today, Pastor. Or if you think that God might heal somebody else, but not me. Well, I know there's other people that got a miracle, but I've never seen a miracle. I don't right? I hear people talk like that all the time. If you think God's maybe too mad at me to bother, well, I'm thinking maybe God gave me this sickness to punish me for something. Your faith will never go beyond what you know is God's will. So what's God's will? Well, let me give you a few things. And if you're taking some notes, I, I don't have, I don't have slides today. I don't have stuff on the, on the screen, but Matthew 8, 17. In fact, I'm just going to flip over to it so I can read it for you. Matthew 8, 17. Uh, in fact, let's look at verse 16 and it says, When evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. He cast out all the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He healed all who were sick. 1 Peter 2.24 says this. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, I just want to point something out to you, because this really helped me at some point along my life. How many times did Jesus die? One. Did he die for everything all at once? Yes. So, he died for my sins on the same cross at the same time as he died for my sicknesses. True or false? True. So isn't it interesting that I can trust God with my eternal future? I can trust God with heaven and hell. 
And I can actually believe that just by praying and saying, God, I believe your word, I believe that my sins are forgiven, I believe I'm on my way to heaven, and then I'm like, now I'm confident, I'm good. And then I say, but this whole sickness thing, I'm not so sure. That bothered me the first time I thought about that. The first time the Lord pointed that out to me. Why can't I believe God for my here and now if I'm totally willing to believe him for my eternal future? And Jesus died for sickness on the same cross at the same time as he died for sin. By his stripes, we were healed. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, He forgives all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. And there are lots of verses in the Bible that say exactly the same thing. So, looking at my watch, I think I have time. Let me ask, there's there's always two questions. And I'm probably going to have to deal with the second one next week, because I think we're just out of time and I don't want to keep you longer. The second question is always, Peter, somebody's going to say, but Paul had a thorn in the flesh. What was that? So, we'll... Push that to next week. I'll explain that one to you. That's actually pretty easy. But let me ask the question this week. Does God use sickness? Well, I happen to think the answer goes something like this. You know, whatever the devil plans for harm in your life, God is prepared to take it and use it for good. Ingrid mentioned it earlier. That's that's scripture, by the way. That when when Satan plans for something to harm you, God can turn it for good. Okay? So if you're asking me, does God ever use a sickness that I happen to have in order to teach me something or to do something in my life? Well, then I think the answer is yes. God God will use whatever he's got at his disposal. If, If we get ourselves into a situation, he's going to use that to teach us something as he gets us out of it. But if you're saying, do I think that God sends the sickness to me because he wants to teach me something, then I think the answer is no. Now, I've mentioned it a few times, but I'll, I'll kind of get it out there again today, that sin has punishment built right into it. Okay? God, it's, a, it's actually a misrepresentation of who God is to say that God punishes people for their sin. That, that's actually a misrepresentation of who God is in the New Testament. Because God has forgiven us for our sin. At least, he has made provision for us to be forgiven if we're not there yet. So God doesn't punish people for sin. And I've used the analogy many times, you've heard me say it. If it's raining outside, and you step out from under the umbrella, God doesn't throw water on your head to punish you. It's raining. If you want to stay dry, stay under the umbrella. Sin has consequences built into it. Those consequences form part of the punishment for sin. If you don't want the punishment, don't involve yourself in the sin. It's, it's, it's that simple. There's, there's, there's built in stuff there. In fact, I, I often have said it this way. And, you know, you got to bear with me. you got to let me finish the whole sentence. And that is, I like to say this. God has not ever and will not ever send someone to hell 
ever. God doesn't send people to hell. God made heaven for people, and he's done everything he possibly can to make sure that you can get there. Now, if you insist on not cooperating with God's approach to get you into heaven, and you insist on landing in hell, God will defend your right to choice right to the gates of hell itself. But hell is not made for people. Hell was never made for humans. It's the same kind of thing with sickness and with sin. Sickness is a result of sin. We live in a fallen world. It's raining. If you want to stay dry, stay under God's protection. Stay in that place of God's protection. That's kind of the way I see this whole thing with sin. Sin has built-in consequences. So, does sickness, uh, is sickness sometimes the result of sin? Well, yes. Does that mean that God's using sickness to punish you for sinning? No. There's a built-in consequence. So, in light of the present circumstances with this coronavirus spreading around the globe, is that a punishment sent by God? Well, no. Is that the result of a world that's turned its back on God and has become increasingly anti-God? Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's a natural consequence of a world that's begun to turn its back on God. But that doesn't mean God sends it as a punishment. What it means is that the very life that exists in creation has its source in God. And when the world turns its back on God, death starts to take hold where there used to be life. Turning your back on God has built-in consequences. So does God use sickness? Well, God's going to use anything that's available to him to help you grow. Does he send it to you? No. Now, let, let me, you know, I, I, I know you, some people are, are, let's just say I have a reputation for some of this kind of blunt stuff, right? But think about this logically for just a minute. Because I know that there are some churches that have taught for years that God sends sickness to you for his glory. God sent you this sickness for his glory. You might have grown up in a church like that. If that's true, if God sends sickness to you for his glory, then why don't people who believe that graciously accept God's will when they're sick instead of spending thousands of dollars trying to get well? If sickness is God's will then doctors and hospitals and nurses in the entire healthcare system is in rebellion to God's will. If sickness is sent by God, then churches should be campaigning to have hospitals closed and shut down all the pharmacies and get rid of all the clinics. In fact, if God is glorified in sickness, then Jesus was robbing God of his glory every time he healed somebody. None of that makes much sense, does it? See, Sickness is not there to bring God glory. Healing is there to bring God glory. Health is there to bring God glory. Life flows out from God himself. God's the source of our life. Sickness is not God's will, and it's not God's plan. Now, I'm going to jump over my whole part here about Paul the Apostle, because we just plain old don't have time. And... We're going to kind of close it this way today. Um, I want you to meditate on that. I, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a challenge, a little bit of an assignment. 
And that is this week, I want you to go and spend a little bit of time. Google can help you. Find verses in the Bible that talk about healing, that talk about health, that talk about wholeness, that talk about God's promise to you of health, God's promise of healing. Find those verses and do this. Write them down where you can see them. I got a great idea for you, okay? Get a whiteboard marker, an erasable marker, and write it on the bathroom mirror. And that way, every time you look in the mirror and you think, oh, I don't feel so good, I wonder. Instead, you've got this verse staring at you that says, he heals all our sickness. He, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Whatever, whatever verses you find that begin to speak to you, write them out. Put them where you can see them. We gotta remind ourselves of what God says. Goodness knows we're getting enough messages bombarding us all week long about what the world is seeing. We need to get it in front of our eyes about what God is saying and what God is declaring over us. And we need to get ourselves into alignment with what God says. Remember, when the truth of what God says becomes more real to you than the circumstances around you, that's when faith begins to lift you out of those circumstances and move you into that place where what God says becomes true in your life. Amen? Amen. You know, the worship team's got one more song. Veronica really felt like it would be, it would be appropriate to kind of close with, it is well with my soul. And, you know, can I just encourage you to stand up and let's just sing this kind of like an anthem, kind of like a, just saying to the devil, back off. I am not going to be afraid. It is going to be well with me. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to respect other people who, who, who may be not in the same place as me, but I'm going to be fine. Amen. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to close.
as I as we close today, I just want to pray for each one here. Father, I pray that our faith would be strong. And Lord, in a place where perhaps we've started getting our eyes off of you and onto the situation around us, God, would you would you help us? And like Peter, when he took his eyes off Jesus and got his eyes on the wave, he started to sink. And immediately he cried out, Jesus, and you lifted him right back up. So, Father, for those that have just kind of recognized this morning that they've gotten their eyes off of you and gotten their eyes onto the circumstances, God, as we reach out to you this morning, I thank you that you're just going to lift us right back up into that place of faith where we become confident again that you are bigger than a virus that you are bigger than a sickness and that you are well able to deliver us. Father, I pray also that you'd help us to use the time that we've suddenly been blessed with, with, with no sports and no social activities and things going away, that we'd use that time, God, to press into you and to focus on you, that we'd almost treat this like it was a, a fast for you. And God, I pray that you'd help us uh, to use that confidence we have in you in a way that would be a witness and a blessing to others. God, when others ask us concerning the hope that is in us, God, would you give us an answer that helps to lift them out of their place of fear into a place of confidence in you as well. God, open opportunities for us this week where we can share with family members, with friends, with neighbors, where we can speak to co-workers, where others may say to us, how can you be so confident? And we can say, because my hope is in Jesus. My hope is in something much bigger than a coronavirus. My hope is in something much bigger than the healthcare system. My hope is in God alone. God, I thank you and I praise you and I worship you. And Father, I speak your blessing today with Scott and Yvette and with Veronica over each one that's here, each one that's listening, each one that, that was maybe even afraid to come today and, and doesn't know what to do. God, I speak the peace of God over each heart and each mind. Father, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you, Father, that you go with us wherever we go. Father, I thank you that we don't have to be afraid of the disease that comes during the daytime or the terror that comes at night. God, though a thousand may fall beside us and ten thousand at our right hand, it will not come near us. We declare that over each one today in Jesus' name. Father, as we go, let us go with your peace, with your grace, and with your confidence.
keep tuned to your email, keep tuned to your social media. Um, you know, if you know there's people who don't have access to that stuff, reach out to them, help them find us. We'll, we'll still, some of us will still be here and we will still broadcast it on Facebook. It will still be live. You will still have something you can tune in tomorrow or to next Sunday. Don't do life alone. Amen? Amen.